0: It will give our tired feet new strength as we continue our forward stride toward the city of freedom. Yeah. When our days become dreary with low, hovering clouds of despair, yeah. when our nights become darker than a thousand midnights, let us remember that there is a creative force in this universe working to pull down the gigantic mountings of evil, yes. a power that is able to make a way out of no way yes. and transform dark yesterdays into bright tomorrows. Yes. Let us realize that the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends toward justice. Wow. Let us realize that William Cullen Bryant is right. Truth crushed to earth, will rise again. Yes.
1: Uh, Martin Luther King Jr. on this day that is set aside to uh, remember him, even though that uh, pisses some people off. I was listening to a an interview with Taylor Branch. I pitch Taylor Branch every year on MLK Day. He is the author of a trilogy of books about the civil rights movement. It's not a biography of Martin Luther King Jr., but it's a biography of the entire entire civil rights movement, and Martin Luther King Jr. obviously plays a major role in it. What but was the last name of that? Taylor, Taylor Branch, Branch. The first book being Parting the Waters, and it's the best thing I've ever read on the subject. It's a 1,000 pages, and it's one of three books, so it's a lot to read. Uh, but the guy interviewing him was part of SNCC, the student whatever it is, committee something or other, uh, one of the activist groups back in the 60s that, uh, that got a lot done. and 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 this guy... Old old gentleman at this point, uh, obviously had some bitterness toward MLK hmm. and and talked a little bit about the celebrity leaders and the attention they got versus the people that were doing all the work on the ground hmm. and organizing or the people that were there long before he came along and that sort of thing. Hmm. Um, and and one of the things I got from that book, it was you know it was new to me. It's obviously true. It's the way everything works in life, but I'd never heard this angle of it. There were a lot of people in the civil rights movement that felt like mlk got way too much attention or or had angled in ways that made him look better at the expense of others and and and, and or or just jealous of his fame interesting um just like happens mm-hmm. in any organization
2: mm-hmm.
1: even if even if you're you're all moving the right direction and accomplishing something great there's still going to be a lot of uh, well a lot of tension Right around a lot of different things.
3: Yeah, human beings don't cease being human beings with all of our flaws just because we're engaged in something worthy.
1: And I think all that stuff is so. Uh, one, it's interesting too, and I think it's important to bring it in as a, as a total look at all this sort of stuff, because then you maybe you end up as a part of the Tea Party movement or the or Bernie Sanders. You're uh you know you're you're feeling the burn or whatever, and you got disagreements. It's probably worth knowing that that happened through the civil rights movement. Everybody didn't agree mm-hmm. on everything that was said and who ought to be in charge. Sure. Far from
3: it. And we, we've talked about this before. Everybody looks at history and looks at what happened and and kind of sees it as having been inevitable. That, you know, well, of course America won the war for independence and then when you get into the nitty gritty of it, you realize it was a floundering effort. Literally. I mean, it was just militarily disastrous, mostly financially miraculous that the country survived and just it was it was fraught with difficulty and conflict and stupidity in in amazing ways um, um just yeah mind-boggling ways and then likewise you know civil rights movement plenty of uh plenty of rancor also the stuff with the kennedys they they were not clear
1: unequivocal cheerleaders for the civil rights movement not even close First of all, Bobby Kennedy signed off on the tapping the phones of MLK and so many other people in the civil rights movement under it would still seem to be pretty flimsy ideas that they were communists. Mm -hmm. But it gave them the opportunity to listen in on all their conversations and and spy on lots of American citizens, which, you know, is the same sort of thing that may have gone on in the Trump campaign. You find one person that you can uh, make the argument for. You got to tap their phones and you get to listen to it all. Um, and John F. Kennedy, when he would not, he could not meet with MLK because it was just too politically dangerous for the South. And if you're a Democrat and you wanted to be elected president, you had to have the South on your side because that was the base of the party. Um, He could not meet with Martin Luther King Jr. No way he'd be seen meeting with him. So they had to set up a situation where Martin Luther King Jr. There was on a tour of the White House and they had JFK come down the hallway at the same time. And so they saw each other in the hallway and there was the ability to take a picture and get that out in the black community. But you couldn't have an actual meeting like, you know, on the docket that Martin Luther King Jr. is going to come to meet with the president at the White House. That right. would not work politically. Right. So the Kennedys weren't, you know, all in. Frenemies, kind of. Yeah. Or does that overstate it? Oh, uh, well, yeah, geez, yeah. I think when you're spying on a guy, uh, frenemy of best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, listen, I... Uh, and, uh, and politicians will do what they got to do. Now, maybe you'd say, well, he couldn't, he couldn't accomplish anything if he didn't do it that way because you lose the South, then, then you don't get reelected. you have no power, you can't accomplish anything. Maybe that's just the smart way to handle
3: it. Right, right, which is, you know, we had a really stimulating conversation with Charles Krauthammer about this. Um, uh, a number of months ago, a couple of years ago. I understand he's still recovering and, and not on the air yet. But, um, it, you know, he he made the point that elections are how the good stuff gets done. And there's a lot of the electoral process and the political process that's utterly repugnant and stupid. But that's how the good stuff gets done. So you dig in. You jump in with both feet and you get the electoral stuff done even though it's demeaning and idiotic and hypocritical and unfair and unfair, immoral and 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 smells bad. Um and I thought, you know, that is clearly true. That is a, that is the grown-up way to view all this stuff and I'm glad you're willing yeah, to do I it. I don't have the stomach for it. I don't <clears throat> yeah. have the
1: personality for That's it. That's
3: cuz you need to grow up.
1: Um uh one other thing. Oh, so back to what MLK said there. Do you believe there is an there is a moral universe? There's an arc to the moral universe that bends toward justice. Or is it just, you know, things are good for a while, then they're crappy for a while, then they're good for a while. They could stay crappy for a thousand years, then they could be good. Again. I mean, is there, is there some point to history that bends toward good? Uh,
3: I would like to think there is. I would like to think so, too. Uh, China, the largest nation on Earth by quite some, is now uh, nearing a state of total surveillance, as you mentioned earlier. Uh, and we can get into more um in which every citizen is surveilled at all times to advance the interests of the communist party
1: how well, long before that's the state of the world everybody on earth is surveilled all the time
3: now constant awareness like you look at twitter somebody's getting beat down in the streets of tehran we know about it because of it's not surveillance exactly but it's 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 uh, visibility it's disclosure the more we know, the more we learn about each other, the more we see, the more justice there is. I think that's undeniable. So it could be that the, the arc of the moral universe is going toward justice. On the other hand, human lusts for power, control, and wealth will never, ever end. And the tools to achieve it are getting better and better. So I don't know. <laughs> was a very long answer. I don't know if there's an arc... Of the moral universe or not
1: Martin Luther King Jr. also really really didn't want to end up being the face of this in the beginning really fought against that hard had no interest
3: mm. for reasons of self-preservation or lifestyle or all
1: kinds of you just yeah knew it was gonna be you know change your life and, yeah. and it would and yeah. led
3: to his death yeah I have one personal acquaintance and one uh, fellow who I've uh, who I admire very much who were pressured to or and or undertook political runs. And um, And and the guy I know has described it in very diplomatic terms as a nightmare and not worth doing. Um, and, and his goals were noble, and he's a thoroughly decent fellow. Um, but he said, essentially, he had no idea how brutal it was going to be. He thought he knew, but he didn't. And... And the other guy is J.D. Vance, the author of "Hillbilly Elegy," who various people want to run for gov- for uh, uh, the Senate in Ohio, and he has been demurring. So yeah, I totally get why, you know, Dr. King would, and and he wasn't like going for being a senator; he was, you know, at the forefront of a a war, essentially an ideological war, and uh, well, with the result that you know he knew was possible. We should uh, play some more of that later. Yeah, huh? we got a whole show ahead of us. Yeah, and I've been reading, rereading. Um, Sections of his uh, famous, legendary uh, letter from the Birmingham jail uh, to his fellow clergymen, who were all civil rights activists, explaining why he did what he did the way he did it. And I think a lot of what he said and a lot of his strategies would be decried by some of the current crop of hardcore activists as pathetic and way too conservative you going to hit us with some of that?
1: Yeah,
4: sure.
3: Awesome.
1: All coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show.
0: This is Armstrong and Getty.
3: The Voice of the West. The
0: Armstrong and Getty Show.
2: So these are the girls that are actually going to perform at the Olympics that, for North Korea. I don't know if they're actually going to perform. I know that uh, that Fathead wants them to perform. I'm sorry, Kim Jong-un. Yes, we're
3: friends now. He's met with the South Koreans. The dove of peace is flying over the Korean Peninsula.
1: This is the nationalistic girl band Morabong song with Let's learn. <laughs>
3: with just a little Soviet
1: swing. And they dress a little skanky. I noticed
3: that. That's a K-pop thing. You got to. You got to. It's kind of interesting for North Korea. But When I look at a record, I say no thigh, no Hmm. There you go. So hopefully we'll see a little at the Olympics, which is coming up soon. Record is an old-timey word for download, kids. <laughs> So Kim Jong-un has a hot chick band that he's trying to foist on the world. Is he like the impresario? He's the Simon Cowell behind him? One of the girls is his wife, right? Or did he marry one and then she left?
1: I left the group. Anyway, he's married to one of them in in some capacity. Yeah, right.
3: Whatever that means when you're a communist dictator. Yeah, we fell in love. We met. I went to her dad. I said, I'd like her hand in marriage. And if you don't give me her hand in marriage, I'll cut off both of yours. And uh, a machine gun you and feed you to dogs exactly maybe in reverse order which <laughs> is worse.
1: One funny thing I thought on uh, sixty <clears throat> minutes last night about so when we've seen pictures of their weapon. Do you remember <clears throat> the picture where you had uh, fat head and this this round thing that they claimed was a bomb or something and him yes, and Sands standing remember. around it?
3: It had uh, yeah the cords coming out of it. So. Our, it looked like it, somebody was trying to jumpstart it.
1: Our <laughs> nuclear expert was trying to determine how big a bomb that is. So mm. you'd get an idea how much devastation it could do if it hit, for instance, Hawaii or Los Angeles. And they said, how did you determine that? And they said, well, we have a rough idea of how fat we think Kim Jong-un is. So we were looking uh-huh. at the comparison of how round the bomb is right. to the to the circumference of his belly. That's it appears how, to be
3: .3 uns.
1: That's actually how they determined it. Wow. <laughs> so we have better <laughs> intel on how fat
3: he is. Then they're bombs.
1: Yeah, because some people have met him, and he'd, he'd met the scientists. He knew how tall they were. They compared okay. that. Dennis Rodman has met. Right. Yeah, so. Yeah,
3: because right. I know they pumped Dennis Rodman for information yeah. about him. And Probably a lot and, of it was, what do you figure he weighs? <laughs> yeah, and, and isn't that interesting, though? That's some of the intel you need.
1: How fat is the guy, so when he's standing next to a bomb, we have some idea how big that bomb is.
3: Or how thick a missile is, or something uh-huh. like that. People around the world, look at him. They think he's five 5'8".
0: Look at these guys. here. Look at them. They appear to be all
3: 280 pounds. Look at them. (laughs) Anyway. So uh, listen here. I have been rereading Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s uh, letter from the Birmingham jail, which is rather a uh, a famous piece of rhetoric. And if you haven't read it or haven't read it lately, I suggest you do. Um, We'll have a link at armstrongandgettyradio.com in case you're completely incapable of doing a Google search. Um, and you can just click on it real quickly and find it. Um, it, it, it is best you know, in case
1: you can't do the most basic
3: thing in the modern life. I, I can't imagine you on own a computer <laughs> and the, although you might forget what city he was in, blah, blah, okay. blah. You keep looking for Atlanta jail or whatever, and you'd come up dry. So we'll have a link for you.
1: You know, another interesting aspect to all this, and none of it makes it less, Of a big deal, the marches, the risking their lives, they're putting it all on the line for civil rights, and how freaking off track we were as a country not letting people vote and all that sort of stuff. and Everything that was going on. Terrible. Um, None of that lesson. But it's all complicated by all this other stuff, including like this letter and so much of the MLK stuff that the family has been reluctant to allow to be public. They wanted to profit from them. A lot of people in the family mm. m- make it, you know, something that they they sold to people as opposed to just putting it out there. Right. In a museum or online or whatever. Hmm. Yeah.
3: Mm. Whatever. People are going to be people. People are going to be people. That's yep. right. Yep. So uh, his letter is best known <clears throat> for the incredible, powerful, gut-wrenching eloquence of his description. Well, uh, first of all, if you're not familiar with it, he was responding to some Criticism slash questioning from eight white clergymen, all of whom were civil rights uh, activists or certainly sympathetic. They were with him on, you know, black suffrage and that sort of thing and, and civil rights. But they thought he was moving too fast and was too radical. And and he wrote them a rather long uh, letter. In fact, he joked at the end of it that he'd practically written a book um, from the Birmingham jail to explain uh, his reasoning. And, and it's best known, as I started to say, for its uh, incredibly eloquent and absolutely gut-wrenching and, and inescapable description of what it was like to live, to raise little children in a racist society. It's a very long paragraph um, that begins with, well, he's talking about why they're urging him to wait, to be more patient. He says, when you have seen a vicious mobs lynch your mothers and fathers at will and drown your sisters and brothers at whim, when you've seen hate-filled policemen curse, kick, brutalize, and even kill your black brothers and sisters with impunity... Um, he talks about poverty he talks about when you suddenly find your tongue twisted and your speech stammering as you seek to explain to your six-year-old daughter why she cannot go to the public amusement park that has just been advertised on television and see tears welling up in her little eyes when she is told that Funtown is closed to colored children and see the depressing clouds of inferiority begin to form in her little mental sky and see her begin to distort her little personality by unconsciously developing a bitterness toward white people and when you have to confront Cocked an answer for a five year old son asking in agonizing path pathos, Daddy, why do white people treat colored people so mean and he and he lists many, many more examples um, then he said then you will find you will understand why we find it difficult to wait and again it's it 's brilliantly eloquent, but one aspect of of what he describes and what he 's talking about when he 's talking about strategy to the clergyman. Is that he is utterly committed to the Constitution of the United States, the Bill of Rights, and the foundations of Western democracy as the weapon for to use for uh, civil rights for freedom he, he is calling well, as he made it clear you know in washington d c he is calling for the uh, promissory note to be paid that the promises made in the Constitution be observed and that he clearly believed that the constitution the bill of rights and the declaration of independence were all we needed and that if we would follow them people would be free and the idea that the constitution's actually a tool of of oppression or that logic and and evidence and science and all were were useless and all he would he would be so old school by the standards of You know, some of your activist groups now, they would really, really be against him Um, because he was, you know, he he was extremely critical of the United States. But obviously he thought that the Bill of Rights was a hell of a good idea and he would like to see it observed.
1: Cool. We have a long clip of him talking about that. We'll play that a little bit
4: later. Yeah, great. Um, What's coming up in your news, Marshall Phillips? Well, Washington honoring Martin Luther King Jr. while President Trump continues to insist he is not a racist got a false missile attack alert in Hawaii showing more cracks in our defense planning and smart speaker sales are soaring stories coming up minutes from now Armstrong and Gitting well i have a real concern that if the s ever hits the fan we're ever actually attacked
1: that our defense system doesn't work the way we thought it would and our alert system doesn't work the way we thought it would and all kinds of things don't work the way we thought it would i got a bad feeling you're right oh and me cuz we we've, we've we've all spent our whole lives thinking they've got it They've got it all nailed down. If it ever comes, if it's ever go time. Maybe that ain't true. Certainly, Hawaii over the weekend was not a uh, good example of all that. So stay tuned for Marshall's news coming up. That's next on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Lonely Planet Travel Books. Back when I used to go anywhere ever, I used to read those. They're, they're pretty handy if you're a certain sort of traveler. Oh, yeah. Um, Love them. Trump is wrong about immigrants, says Lonely Planet, and S-holes. Lonely Planet offers an alluring guide to the world's most beautiful and unusual toilets.
3: So there you go. There you go. <laughs> it's funny. We had a uh, an alert listener also send us a, uh, a copy of the the famous map of San Francisco showing you where there's human poo. Day by day, hour, yeah, hour or hour. So you talk about a poop hole, I'll tell you this. You head to North Beach, walk with impunity, and enjoy yourself, as there's very little poo there currently. On the other hand, if you're uh, in the tenderloin, you might as well get yourself a hovercraft. Because <laughs> judging by the map, it's going to be difficult to make your way without sullying your footwear. Gross. Yeah, I'm telling you.
1: Let's get the news now with Marshall Phillips.
4: Well, Washington is honoring civil rights leader Martin Luther King Jr. on what would have been his 89th birthday today. Before laying a wreath at the King Memorial, King's son, Martin Luther King III, said the nation's got to come together if we're going to solve our problems. To
5: not just provide leadership
4: in our nation, certainly we must address the triple evils of poverty, racism, militarism, and violence. At that ceremony, the FBI Director Christopher Wray also uh, talked about King and his legacy.
1: We will only continue to make progress if we keep marching forward together, mindful of our history, but hopeful for our future, filled with the faith that we are fighting for the common good and that we will one day reach that mountaintop together.
4: Meanwhile, President Trump, who is still at his Mar a Lago resort in Florida, once again was insisting he's not a racist. Trump making the denial yesterday, telling reporters, No, I'm not a racist. I am the least racist person you have ever interviewed. That I can tell you.
3: Well, that's a red letter day then. <clears throat> hey, honey, guess what happened today? I interviewed the least racist person I've ever interviewed.
4: It's exciting. An emergency alert that mistakenly warned about an inbound ballistic missile showed that many Hawaiian residents don't know exactly what they're supposed to do if the attack was real. The blunder that caused people statewide to think they were about to get hit I don't have
1: a-, a plan for an incoming nuclear missile. I have zero plan for it. I had never thought about it before. I suppose I'd go indoors. (laughs) There
2: you go. (laughs) There's a
4: first step. (laughs) And then... uh, The blunder that caused people statewide to think they were about to be struck by a nuclear missile is feeding a lot of skepticism about the government's ability to keep them informed in a real emergency. The state remains rattled two days after the mistaken alert was blasted out to cell phones with a warning to seek immediate shelter. And then took 30-some-odd minutes before the state got around to correcting that alert.
1: Uh, I'd like more information. The government could do a better job of uh, uh, informing us, for one thing. What sort of uh, weapon do we think they have, and what would that do if it held Hawaii? Wouldn't you like to know that? Would it obliterate all all of... The Big Island, or would you be okay? I haven't heard any news. The on The level this. of
3: Honolulu? I don't know. How about some expert analysis on this, for crying out loud? Well, they hadn't even bothered to, like, prepare a message that, uh, stand down, everything's fine, right. or that was a false alert. They just, they had the one message, run for your lives. Uh, so, yeah, that sort of advanced analysis, it's going to take well, a Well,
1: how would you expect people to have a plan if, the, if, if nobody's released information, for instance, if the bomb hits in Honolulu and you're 50 miles away, you would be okay, but there might be falling
3: debris. So try to be indoors. They haven't released any information like that. Yeah, shouldn't there be one of those charts that show you, all right, if the missile hits X, here's your band. If you're 100 miles to 150 miles, do this. If you're 150 to 200, do this, blah, blah, blah. And you could do one of those, like, crosshatch matches that uh, are ma- uh, like uh, uh, graphs that show you you're driving from San Francisco to Omaha and or Omaha to San Francisco. They, you know, that sort of thing. You'd think they would have that, because if I'm a Hawaiian and I found I find out, holy cow, right in the middle of Maui, I'll be damned. Wipe Maui off the map. It's now a steaming pit in the ocean. Um, and you're there in Honolulu thinking, I have no idea what that means to me.
4: You're right. That's ridiculous. Turns All out, you know is there was a missile. Turns out one in six Americans now owns a smart speaker. Which is about 16% of all of us. That's according to a new study from... Excellent uh, math. From uh, Edison (laughs) Research. (laughs) It's up about 128% higher than just one year ago. More excellent math. What's a smart speaker? That means somebody's listening to you? Amazon's Echo speakers? Yeah. What do you have? You got uh, Amazon? got an Echo. I got an Echo.
1: But is that what smart speaker means?
4: I don't know what we're talking about.
1: Okay. So if you've got a device that's listening to you and that you mm. can you can talk to and to make requests of. So pretty soon as we were talking about right. China trying to get full surveillance going. We'll have uh, everybody in America will have a smart speaker that at
2: least in theory the government could Use the government won't have to surveil us, we're doing it to ourselves. Oh, oh absolutely. Oh, yeah. yeah, in China, they're yeah. spending
1: all this money, we're doing it ourselves, and the government just then needs to tap into it. It's and gonna
2: be op- there's a decent chance it's already happened. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's an opt in policy, it'll just be too inconvenient not to be a part of these things.
1: I don't want to be tracked by the government, but I should have liked playing my favorite songs, so
2: yeah, it's so much easier just to log in with Facebook <laughs> than to create a new account, those sort right. of things. That's how it's right. Slowly, inch by inch.
4: And then you can tell one device to tell other devices what to do. You don't have to get involved with telling your devices what to do.
3: Alexa, order 500 gallons of motor oil.
4: Enjoy that, folks. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> That's a wrap That's your news I'm Marshall Phillips The Armstrong and Getty Show The Voice of the West Oh, I so love
3: doing that <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, Dr. King's stuff on just and unjust laws And the letter from the Birmingham jail is it, It's a must-read Must-read okay. okay
1: Some more of that coming up Sure Joe informing us on this
3: historic day well, I, I, my opinion, and it's been so for years, is that Dr. King has been turned into some sort of, you know, emblem. And, and or a guy in a statue. And what he actually said, believed, and preached has become completely lost. He's now like a, a lunchbox more than a, a, a moral leader. Interesting. Stay tuned for the Armstrong and Getty Show.
0: Armstrong and Getty.
3: The Voice of the West.
0: The Armstrong and Getty Show. Wasting time on my own. All we say to America is be true to what you said on paper. If I lived in China or even Russia or any totalitarian country, maybe I could understand some of these illegal injunctions. Maybe I could understand the denial of certain basic First Amendment privileges because they haven't committed themselves to that over that. But somewhere I read of the freedom of assembly, somewhere I read of the freedom of speech, somewhere I read, of the freedom of press, somewhere I read, that the greatness of America is the right to protest for right. And so just as I say we aren't going to let any dogs or water hoses turn us around, We aren't going to let any injunction turn us around.
1: So there you go on Martin Luther King Jr.'s. Is this in theory? Is this based around his birthday? or How do they choose this day? I don't remember. Got to be around his birthday, right? Um, It's a government holiday. So we got more on that sort of stuff coming up.
3: Yeah, the uh, breaking the law. While you're demanding that the laws be enforced, how he justified that and his thinking on that, which is quite persuasive, mm-hmm. <laughs> quite good. Yeah. Just and unjust laws, that sort of thing. Yeah, Definitely was, worth a
2: read. He was born January 15th, 1929.
3: It is, it's
1: unbelievable. I remember Colin Powell talking about when he, uh, you know, he he ended up being the first black secretary of defense. And um, when he first came to Washington, D.C., they had separate drinking fountains in the Pentagon. Which is unbelievable. Yeah. In our nation's capital. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah, it is. That it lasted that long. Just amazing. Uh, so, Michelangelo, our board operator, was gone for a couple of days last week. He went to Las Vegas to the Consumer Electronics Show. When did you get back, Michael?
5: I got back on uh, Friday evening.
1: Okay, sp- spent a couple of days there.
5: Yeah. Did you have fun
1: in Vegas aside from the Consumer Electronics Show?
5: Yeah, except the Consumer Electronics Show, I mean, that weekend, it is Vegas, basically. It is yeah. huge. There are so many people there.
3: Interesting. So you'd go to a hall, and it was just super crowded yep. and that sort of thing? Yeah, yeah, it was. And as you mentioned last week, it's scattered all over the city and all sorts right, of different... Right, it was at
5: the Venetian, the Sands, and then the convention center. Cool. Mm-hmm. What's the What's the most awesome thing you saw? I would say the new TVs, the
1: 8K TVs, were really impressive. God dang it, 8 I know. Well, at least this one came along so fast, I never even had time to get <laughs> the 4K. Eh? Yeah, so... Are they available now? Can they be bought? No, or are they they're not prototypes? available yet. Probably yeah. three to
5: five years or something like that. Oh, really?
1: Yeah. Mm. But you could you could actually see a
5: difference between a 4K and an 8K. Yeah, they had the 4K on the right and the 8K on the left. And of course, you know, they... I'll believe you. But... Yeah, it was good. It was good. Yeah, those of you who are hip to tech, you're going to be
3: bored to death with this next sentence or two, but those of you who are not, the thing is, there isn't much to see really there is some programming in 4k now you can find it but it's not like your favorite shows are in 4k sports aren't in 4k are they movies aren't in 4k cuz you got to record them you know in such a way that you got that many pixels or whatever the heck the term is uh uh-huh. so you know 8k there's there is there is a single video of tulips in holland available in 8k <laughs> that's it and some footage of an iguana very colorful iguana. Yeah. That's all. <laughs> it's got an eye that goes around. <laughs>
2: oh,
1: yeah. And if you just want to watch that over and over, it's cool. Hey, I saw this article that, based on the Consumer Electronics Show, the whole wearables trend is over because it was nowhere to be seen. Did you come Because a couple of years ago, that was the thing, and it's come and gone, apparently.
5: Yeah, there wasn't as much stuff. A lot of them were Fitbits, but they were all pretty much exactly the same. It was mm-hmm. just... Same does the same thing measures your heart rate measures your sleep. I just you never can tell but I wonder if we
1: maxed out pretty quickly on the number of people that want to know that stuff. There is a certain percentage and they've all got one and that Mm -hmm. was it. Well remember when we were going to have like
3: E shirts I shirts they're going to have fibers woven into them that would tell us this and do
5: this and I need to know that's the question. Well apparently nobody does. (laughs) Yeah. not enough to buy one the big thing they were selling was a smart home where you control your thermostat you control your your garage door you control uh you know the cameras you put cameras to the front and back doors they want to make you afraid so that you gotta have right. control of your house from you know the bad guys
1: i like those ads that are on tv right now where uh it's some security system and somebody's sneaking over the house and the the whoever's monitoring it says hey you pranksters knock it off, and the guys are like, oh, rats, and they run away from the house. <laughs> like, it's just kind of a fun little prank you play on breaking, you know, uh, breaking into people's homes,
3: <laughs> stealing their stuff. Right. Oh, dang right. it, they call it. Hey, us. you, what are you doing?
5: <laughs>
1: oh, sorry. You miscreants. Yeah. You know,
5: you know, another product I saw, which you'll probably roll your eyes at, is um, there's a toothbrush that has Wi-Fi, and you put your iPad in the bathroom, and then the kids, they brush no, their I teeth. No, I don't. They brush their teeth, and then it's a game for them, so this way they'll brush their teeth, and you don't have to fight with them to, uh, you know, brush their teeth.
1: Because they're watching a video?
5: or Yeah, supposedly it makes it more fun for them to brush their teeth. And do they get, like, fake badges and stuff for brushing their teeth? I don't know. They advertise on the pamphlet, you know, no more temper tantrums from the kids. You just, you know, put the iPad in there, and they'll have fun doing this. Did you see in the driverless car stuff? A little bit of that, but I I couldn't really get to it. The crowds were, you know, so big. You can't get around very well in this thing because um, it's so huge and there's so many people. You are shoulder to shoulder. Wow,
3: that'd be a nightmare for me. Yeah, I'm glad
5: I went. I loved. I enjoyed the experience, but I think that's something you go once or twice in your life, and that's about it. Did you do anything? Vegasy? Just we uh, did play a little bit of slots. I won fifty dollars, and. as far as food, I, I I didn't realize how expensive Vegas was going to be, so I didn't bring enough cash. So I ended up eating at Outback of all places, and even that was expensive because yeah. the casinos always hike it up. So you yeah. didn't
1: bring enough cash, and you ran out of money.
5: Well, I mean, I didn't plan. You know, for taxi rides were more expensive than I thought. Uh, food was more expensive than I mm-hmm. thought. So I thought I had brought enough cash, but I didn't.
3: Yeah, that's, yeah. yeah, that's rough. They Can got eight, the ATMs every twelve feet, but uh, another no, consumer see-
1: electronics. So the great thing is like the the credit card. And the uh, the ATM.
3: Oh no, no! I hear you, man. When everything's way more expensive than you you thought, you start getting the fear.
2: You start seeing your money disappear. I yeah. One of the more interesting kind of realms of tech that I'm kind of paying attention to is this, uh, like the parent surveillance state. There's so many more apps coming out yeah. for for ways for parents to monitor their children, yeah. and they yeah. they seem to be going in kind of a scary place, just in terms of this. 24 7 monitoring, like there's this one, uh, a cocoon cam allow parents to monitor their baby with an app that dispail, that displays a real time breathing graph. So I, boy. Oh my
1: God. And if you
2: can have this stuff as a new
1: parent and all your other friends have got them. For your first baby? How do you not get
3: it? You don't monitor your child's breathing? Okay. Well, what geez. if, oh my God, I don't even want to say it. Right. And oh. you think, oh God. And
1: I worry about <laughs> the same thing when my kids are, are are older in high school and everybody's got their kid either wired up with their phone or whatever to where you monitor where they're going all the time. And you're
3: you going to be the one parent or are we going to be the one parent that doesn't do that? I got both my big kids home. I should have talked about this. Um, first time we've had the starting five together for many, many months. Uh, and, uh. We had them chipped when they were young, when they were asleep. Awesome. Yeah. And they're, we, we tracked their migration, know where they are at all times, and uh, got a tag in their ear like they're some sort of elk. Well, you can no. set it up with their phone where it's basically the same thing. Sure.
5: Yeah. So I hear. I did like the smart beds that they had. It's where you lay on the bed and then the bed figures out your body and then it. Adjusts itself automatically to the most comfortable sleeping position. Nice. What do you
1: mean it figures out my body? Oh, it gives you the once over.
0: <laughs> hmm. oh, It'll at that give bulb. you
5: instructions like, okay, go ahead and sleep on your side if you like, you know. So you sleep on your side, and then it goes and adjusts for a side sleeper. If you sleep on your back, it adjusts for a, a back sleeper. Stuff like that.
1: God dang it! Some things are you know, make life better, but so much of it is just. Squeezing out that last one hundredth of a percent of, of, of enjoyment. You know, just being this much more comfortable or now it's this much easier to open my garage door. I just I what what is our ultimate goal here? Or safety is another one. What is our, yeah, Exactly. Yeah. We're already as safe as
3: anybody that's ever lived on the planet. What 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 is our ultimate goal here? Yeah, the smart house stuff, I keep thinking, do I have no arms in this scenario? <laughs> I cannot even properly describe to you, and I'm a fairly eloquent man. I cannot describe to you how easy it is for me to turn up the temperature <laughs> in my house. It is sans effort <laughs>
1: But, but, again, what is our goal here? To never have to leave a chair that
3: adjusts itself to our body size and weight. Right. And just stay <laughs> and <laughs> to be- remain completely idle until our smartphone screams at us that we have to get up and move. Why would I move? I have nothing to do. <laughs> I I turned on the oven with my mind. I opened the refrigerator. I <laughs> got myself a beer. It floated to me. What am I moving for? Leave me
1: alone. We do need to discuss what's our ultimate goal here. Do we think this is going to make us happier? To have no physical or mental discomfort of any kind. It's going to free us up
3: for uh, intellectual and physical
1: exercise. Is it? Yeah, sure. Is that what's going to happen? You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show.